It's Wednesday, April the 1st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump warns of a terrible death toll and millions in Asia face pandemic-linked poverty. First, the world in brief. President Donald Trump declared that the next two weeks are going to be very, very painful as experts estimated that up to 240,000 Americans could die of the coronavirus. America has more cases than any other country, 189,035. Spain, which has been hit badly, recorded 849 new deaths, its highest daily toll. The country's health system is struggling to keep up. 13,000 health workers are among the 95,000-odd infected. In Italy, the death toll rose to 12,428, the highest in the world. The World Bank warned that the COVID-19 pandemic could force 11 million people in emerging Asian economies into poverty, slow annual growth in the region by nearly 4 percentage points, and cause recessions. Most South and Southeast Asian economies have managed to avoid recessions since the Asian financial crisis of 1998. France, Germany and Britain have sent medical supplies to Iran to help it fight COVID-19. The country is the worst affected in the Middle East, with 2,898 deaths. The aid was sent under the INSTEX financial mechanism, set up to bypass American economic sanctions. Iran has accused the Trump administration of engaging in medical terror amid the pandemic. A lockdown in Lagos brought Africa's largest city to a halt after Mohamedou Buhari, Nigeria's president, ordered residents to stay at home to limit the spread of COVID-19. Nigeria has registered just 135 cases, but containing the virus in a city of 20 million could become, as Mr Buhari said, a matter of life and death. America unveiled a plan to break the political deadlock in Venezuela, saying it would lift sanctions and provide humanitarian aid if President Nicolas Maduro and Juan Guido, his Western-backed rival, step aside and pass power to an interim government. It proposed that fresh elections be held in 6-12 to months' time, America has been trying to unseat Mr Maduro since 2018, when it accused him of stealing a presidential election. Huawei's profits in 2019 increased to 62.7 billion yen, $9 billion, but their growth slowed compared with the previous year to 5.6% from 20%, even as sales growth remained consistent. The decelerating profits were linked to the American government's decision to bar firms from using the Chinese technologies company's equipment and its efforts to persuade allies to do likewise. British supermarkets clocked their best month of grocery sales on record as consumers spent an extra £2 billion, $2.5 billion on supplies and made 80 million extra shopping trips in the four weeks to March 22nd. Although stockpilers bracing for coronavirus lockdowns made headlines, analysts noted that the gains came largely from shoppers who made more visits and spent slightly more each time. And editors note. The Economist is making some of its most important coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic freely available to readers of The Economist today, our daily newsletter. For details, visit our hub at www.economist.com forward slash coronavirus. And now here's today's agenda. End of an era. Oil in freefall. A deal among producers to cut production ends officially today. The oil market is already in freefall. The Organisation of the Petroleum Exporting Countries has for decades worked to curb output and prop up prices. Russia cooperated with OPEC in recent years, but in early March refused to extend its deal it had with the group. Saudi Arabia responded with a price war. Its effects were swiftly overshadowed by the impact that COVID-19 has had on demand. The price of Brent crude fell by more than half in March to below $23 a barrel. Donald Trump's Department of Energy, keen to support domestic oil firms, has sought to buy 77 million barrels of crude for America's strategic reserves, but Congress declined to grant the money. 
Some American senators want Saudi Arabia to leave OPEC and to stop the price war, but as OPEC itself has served to avoid price wars, the two goals appear incompatible. A fourth horseman, COVID-19 in Bangladesh. The world's most densely populated big country enters the second half of a 10-day lockdown today. Thus far, the authorities have reported just five deaths from COVID-19. Some 50 out of about 1,200 people tested have come up positive. Bangladesh needs to keep that figure low. It only has 29 intensive care beds equipped with ventilators for 165 million people. Ominously, since January around 700,000 migrant workers have returned from overseas. Most, including tens of thousands from Italy, entered unscreened. The pandemic poses the biggest challenge yet for Sheikh Hasina, the Prime Minister. Bangladesh's war for independence from Pakistan occurred a year after a cyclone killed half a million people in 1970. The downfall of Sheikh Mujibur Rahman, Sheikh Hasina's father, followed a famine, and the end of Mohammed Ershad's dictatorial rule was spurred by floods in 1988. Sheikh Hasina will hope a calamity can be avoided and history does not repeat itself. Don't count on it. America's census. Today is a census day in the United States, the date for which people must provide basic demographic information. The decennial count is the world's most expensive population survey, costing around $16 billion this year. Mandated by the Constitution, it's used to apportion electoral college votes, draw up congressional districts, and indirectly allocate $1.5 trillion of federal funds each year. But the coronavirus, which has killed 3,900 Americans already, means this year's count may be the hardest ever. Most people will respond online, but in the census of 2010, almost a quarter of Americans had to be counted by hundreds of thousands of door-knocking workers. That will be difficult with lockdowns in place in most big cities. This year's count was already looking troubled, as many feared Donald Trump's policies would scare undocumented immigrants away from responding. The consequences of a poor count may last much longer than the virus. The $45 trillion question. China's financial opening. Skepticism has long greeted China's assurances that it welcomes foreign banks. Such was the mood among overseas financiers when Li Kuoxiang, the Prime Minister, announced last summer that they could apply to take full ownership of investment banks and insurers in 2020, a year earlier than it was previously promised. That process can begin today. The accelerated timeline is partly a response to the Sino-American trade war, a way to demonstrate to Donald Trump that China can play fair despite his accusations otherwise, while it earns brownie points from foreign firms that might then press Mr. Trump to go easy on China. Foreign companies hold less than 2% of assets in China's $45 trillion financial section, but Bloomberg Intelligence, a research firm, predicts that barring a slowdown they could make profits of over $9 billion a year by 2030. Visa might raise an eyebrow. The card giant has been waiting since 2015 to hear back on its own license application. Bills, bills, bills. Will America make the rent? The first of the month brings joy and sorrow for most working Americans. It is payday and the day their biggest bills, rent or mortgage payments are due. Today will be particularly tricky for the many Americans facing the prospect of paying up without getting paid. They include at least 3.3 million workers who signed up for unemployment benefits in the week ending March 21st. Some two-thirds of America's 159 million workers cannot work entirely from home, so might lose pay. For businesses, the prospect is also looking bleak. Wages and rent are both costs. If businesses or households default on rent or mortgage payments, the effects will cascade through the financial system. Efforts have been taken to stop this resulting in the worst outcomes for individuals like eviction or foreclosure. The government has placed a 60-day moratorium on foreclosures and many states have halted evictions. 
but this places greater strain on the financial system, even as the flow of payments stops. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Otto von Bismarck, who was born on this day in 1815. Politics is not an exact science. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. Thank you.